Welcome to Keeping Business Real, the podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Cordaff, and in four short years, I've built a thriving online business that supports our family. This podcast offers an honest and very real take on the reality of online business, strategies for growing yours, and all the inspiration to keep you going. I've got no time for BS. I'm all heart and all action. Let's keep it real. Okay, everyone, I am really excited about our podcast guest today. Her name is Emma, and she is a daily success strategist. And, you know, we hear these terms, and I'm like, what the heck is a daily success strategist? And then when Emma reached out to me about being on the podcast and went bang, 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 I was like, this is someone who I want to talk to. I love her philosophy. Uh, It's very aligned with my small steps philosophy and the information that she's going to be sharing today, not just as her area of expertise, but also her journey from being in her career to running her own business. I think it's going to be a really fascinating conversation for people to listen into because I know so many of us can sometimes get caught there. Like we know what we're good at. We know what we really enjoy doing. We know we can help people in a certain way, but how do you actually make a business out of that? So we're going to be talking all the things. So Emma is a coach and teacher. She helps busy professional women who want to leverage their time and energy to focus on the things that really matter so that they can reach their next level of authentic success, which I'm pretty sure is everyone listening to the KBR podcast. So Emma, welcome. Hello, thank you so much for having me here. It's a great honour. We're going to have a good chat today. Firstly, I would like you to just explain to people because it was when I read where you'd come from to what you do now that I thought, that's really juicy. How does that actually happen? Because when I started my online business, I was just, I was selling thermomixes and uh, at home with three kids under four. So it wasn't... (laughs) And I was kind of in that state where I thought, oh, God, goodness, I'm going to have to go back and work out what I'm going to do for work. So I was kind of starting from a blank slate, I guess. I didn't have to make that leap. So tell me what encouraged you to actually make the leap and how that worked for you. Yeah, well, I mean, first of all, I would say that like making the leap is hard. And if you're feeling that fear, that's totally normal because I remember my husband like one night, I like I woke up in the middle of the night going, oh my God, should I do this or shouldn't I do this? And he was like, you're like that person in the red bull suit jumping off the cliff. And that was kind of how it felt like I want to discourage people from doing that because everybody can do it. But I think it's a real uh, psychological battle to bridge that gap or find ways to really help you get over the line and make that leap. And I think we're People get stuck where I get stuck is in that decision-making when you're sort of in limbo land. So the way things kind of panned out for me was, I suppose, I'd been a journalist for many years and the reasons why I got into journalism still hold true now, like wanting to explore people's stories and big ideas and how can you make things better. But I guess, you know, after working on the Rudd Gillard years, I was just so burnt out. I was like, you know, once you get past like 32 or something, you're like, this is like a young person's game. I'm too old for this. (laughs) And just sort of being a bit disillusioned with like mainstream journalism and stuff like that. And really not knowing what to do with myself. I just took the easiest leap possible at that time, which was 
let's all go into the public service where you have great conditions and it's all fabulous. Um, I guess it ended up being about six years there. I had one child and I guess I could just really see the writing on the wall, both in like a, a superficial daily way and then in a deeper way. So on the sort of superficial, what I would say, surface, not superficial, surface level way was like, well, if I'm going to have a second child, how's that going to work? Like the drop-offs, the full-time work. And we, we live on acreage. And I guess we really want to have that lifestyle of growing vegetables and having that slower lifestyle. But it's a bit like, well, if you're never here to enjoy it, how is that going to work? So I had all those questions on my mind on a, on a surface level. But then at a deeper level, I guess I've always you know, it's, it's a real cliche, right? But it's true. I've always felt like I had, you know, something else to offer and something more to say, and I couldn't quite nail it in journalism. And then in the public service, it's almost like you become less of yourself in a sense, because, you know, that's not what being in the public service is about. So I felt like I had something more to offer. And I kind of thought, well, if I don't really grab that by the time I'm 40, then I'll lose my chance. Because I think having my first child, I don't know for you, but having my first child just gave me that wake up call. I think like in the lead up to kids, you're like, oh yeah, I'll get to it one day. I'll do something about it one day. You know, yeah, I'll get around to that. And then you have kids and something sort of goes, well, you now your options have just actually narrowed a whole lot now. That might be true and it might not be true, but it feels like that. And I just kind of thought if I don't make a leap now, it will become too late and I'll be 50 and my kids will be teenagers and I will have missed that boat. I really felt that urgency which I think is something, something that you need to make, make the leap. So I guess with those two things in mind, I suppose that gave me a framework. And, you know, one question was, how do you make life work better in a way that is fulfilling for all and simple? And then the second question is, how can I best contribute? How can I be most useful? And so I wanted to make that decision or nail it down before I had a second child. So what I actually did was I took a week off work and I was at home on the acreage with no car or anything like that. And I got off all social and I just went, okay, I'm going to spend a whole week coming up with this answer. And I don't think I realized it at the time, but I actually coached myself and I don't even know how I came up with it, but I had a book. It was one of the Russ Harris books, The Happiness Trap, which I think I owe a lot to because there's a big bit in that about, you know, nailing down your values and what's important to you and what you're good at. And there were just so many great questions in there about, it just enabled me to really pull the threads together. So if, you know, what is it that you're good at and why, and even if you don't like the job you're in, there are bits about your job that you like. And that really enabled me to go, oh yeah, like when I go on a rant in my job about that, it's because I feel really passionate about this or oh, I'm always putting my hand up for this at work, even though I might have been disillusioned with that institution that I worked for as a whole, whether it was journalism or somewhere else. It really just enabled me to pull the threads together. And so I think by the end of the week, I was able to sit down and go, well, I seem to really like explaining things and teaching things and finding out about people. And, you know, these are the things where I've done well in previous work. And then combining that with what I thought was important to me and the type of life that I want to live, that was really how I started to come up with those answers of, okay, well, I think, you know, I could be really good at coaching people 
and I think I could do it in, you know, this kind of way or whatever the case may be. So that was when I kind of had my answer and I went, right, you've got 12 months to like pull the pin and take the leap. And that was more or less exactly what I did. That's so awesome. You know, when you were talking, I actually wrote down, you know, when your values aren't aligned to the life you're living. And I think so many of us, this is the best thing about entrepreneurship, business ownership, is that we actually have this ability to go, whoa, uh, rat race is not what I want right now. Or this is feelings like I am so, like as we get older, we get clearer on the life that we want to live. And I feel exactly the same as you, like, well, if it's not going to happen now, you know, yeah. And I just think it's a beautiful thing to be able to go, hang on, how do I want to live instead of how can I earn money or, you know, like the first question should be like, what are my values? And in the small steps back to you program, that's like the preliminary before the course even starts exercise to look at your values. And most people are like, whoa, I haven't even actually ever thought of this. Like what do I value? And yeah. um, I love that you led with that and that was like the lead in terms of the decisions that come after that because once you get clear on that, you can really clearly see also what is not aligned and yeah. it's a huge big deal. I also had that one-year deadline and, yeah. and it's why I, you know, I'd been Facebooking and blogging kind of casually for maybe 12 months, 18 months and then I thought, if I don't do something now after my third child was born, so yeah, I went yeah. for the, the number three, <laughs> if I don't do it now, then I've got a year basically until she's one. Yeah. And I'm going to have to, I'm not going to have another baby. So I'm going to have right. to do And it actually yeah. really lit a fire in me. It, yeah. I was like. It's really galvanising, I think. Yeah. So at what point did you kind of, Did you start earning revenue from your business? Did you decide on a business model? Did you have to do any coaching training? Like you've landed in a really interesting space that I think is a huge, huge opportunity, like in terms of a a business opportunity. I think people want the help that you are giving, even if they don't necessarily know it yet. Yeah. Uh, uh, It's like a bit of a missing piece. Yeah, yeah. And we'll get into what you talk about in a second. But I'd just love to know like that process because I, I see a lot of people kind of straddle the working on their business outside of a full-time job or a part-time job. Like yeah. How did that kind of work for you? Yeah, and I think that's where values and knowing yourself well comes into it as well because I think everybody's going to be different and you may kind of get led astray from people going, well, I did it this way as a side hustle. And I think you've got to be able to develop some of that self-awareness to work out what works for you. And I did have a deliberate strategy, like once I finally did make that decision and um, be committed and everything, I did have a strategy. The year that I was still at work where I went, you know, you've got a year to start pulling all of this together, um, I did all the training, you know, so I did like coach training. And I actually did wellness training at that time. And the wellness training that I did, it was a different sort of wellness, I guess, to you know, how people describe it now. It wasn't like necessarily green smoothies and all that kind of thing. It's more like well-being and habits and motivation and all that kind of thing. So that was sort of, sort of my starting point. And it was really a great course. And I made a really deliberate strategy then to kind of just go, what, like, what is my fastest path? Because I think often where 
high achieving women can get caught up because they, you might've been really good at school, getting straight A's and being the top of your class and stuff like that. That just doesn't apply now because Mm. we need to get where we want to go and good enough is good enough. So I was just kind of like, well, what is the fastest path to, you know, I have the raw talent or whatever, getting the right kind of qualifications to get me going and to serve clients well, you just have to pass. So I did that while I was still working. So that was fairly doable. And then I just started doing like kind of basic research about, well, how do you get started and stuff like that. And then the stars did align for me in the sense that as I was doing all of that, I got pregnant that year. So at the end of my deadline, I was able to go on maternity leave, which is fantastic. And then I kind of took the next step. So I had the qualifications. And then when I was on maternity leave, what I was able to kind of straddle was the new motherhood thing. But you know, starting to practice on clients, starting to understand like what is the online world about because that just hadn't occurred to me at all. So Mm -hmm. starting about that, starting to like pull a rudimentary website together. What is my niche? Like just all that kind of basic stuff. So I was able to explore kind of those things, but then I was on like that next deadline, I guess. So my next deadline was, well, you've got a year while you're on maternity leave to do this. And then coming towards the end of that year, that had another galvanizing effect again, I think, because you, you're coming up against that other deadline. I think that's why it's important to set deadlines and not have things open-ended. And it is really scary, but you've just got to trust yourself that you can do it. And often what I see as well in this space is when people don't set deadlines and they've got other things that they can rely on, they just actually never kind of get where it is that they want to go. Like we've got to have something, you know, behind us wanting us to take action. So. By the end of the um, second year when I was on maternity leave, I started getting like a small number of clients and I was like charging the most like ridiculous amount of money, like $300 or something for a 12-week coaching package. And I was like, oh my God, someone's paid $300. (laughs) (laughs) I think it was just like, it gets you over the line, right? To charge. You just know, and then that's right. And then I would get another client and I just charged them a little bit more. Then I'd get another client and I charged them a little bit more. And then I started getting my head around opt-ins and online stuff. And I think then at that point, I was able to make a decision that I just wanted to go like hard and fast and get that behind me. And I just felt that if I went back to work, that I just wouldn't be able to half put my mind on work over here because you you do have to do a good job. Like if you're going to go back to work, I'll pay you, you know, you have to deliver. So I just felt like it would dilute my energy or momentum or focus or whatever the case may be. So I just went, right, you're 100% committed. You're not going back. You have to make this work. So because I made that decision to go hard and fast, I made a really deliberate decision to financially invest in things like Facebook ads. I'm not saying that it's all about that to go hard and fast, but that was one thing that I did was like, I want to pay early on to build my following and, you know, get those emails on the list and stuff like that. Within 12 months of doing that work on maternity leave, I was, you know, I had clients and had a full roster and was making money. Certainly not perfect. I would never seek to claim that, but I definitely made that deliberate decision to go in half and have that sort of, I guess, like steep acceleration. And that worked for me. And then I guess that was then able to give me a new level of momentum to go from there. I absolutely, I love hearing this. I feel like, you know, 
I worked in TV and journalism and I need deadlines. I need it to be yes. close. I need yes, like, yeah. like almost daily. <laughs> yeah. And I think that maybe people like you and I have an unfair advantage in that I naturally work to deadlines. I like yeah. deadlines. And I did a podcast episode about procrastination. And I think that there's a lot of people, like when there's a soft cushioning underneath you or when yeah. there's no real big why or no big deadline, you can yeah. really, really struggle because this whole starting your own business thing is the most distract. Like you can just get distracted every Absolutely. single minute of the day. And also... Yeah. You know, you need to take some pretty big leaps in terms of vulnerability, putting yourself out there. But if you know what you want, like I love that you were prepared to kind of get invested in it, you will get the returns. And that's right. If you don't, at least you've gone in and you're like, okay, that didn't work. So quickly, how can I pivot? What can I try next? Yeah. Instead of just being this kind of, you know, just like wanting to take but then not. I remember um, James Wedmore one of my mentors, and he always says, jump and the parachute will appear. And it's just yes. like, you have, like, it does. Yeah. If you go, if you really yeah. go for it. And I guess for me, we'd recently, we'd moved to Brisbane. We were in Sydney for five years. And then my husband got a job in Brisbane. And I was like, F this. I don't want to have to go back. I wanted to go back to Melbourne where all our family was. I had twin daughters at the same age as my daughter. Like, no, I want to be able to go. I don't want to have to go where the work is. So I also had a big kind of, it wasn't just the thought that I would have to go back to work if this didn't work. It was also like, I just really want a more flexible life. Like in terms of values, I want to be able to travel. I want to be able to choose. And I didn't feel like I had much choice at that time. So, you know, once again, kind of coming back to values. But I do think that in the online space these days, you can tinker around the edges. It can be a very expensive hobby. But if you commit and go, this is going to be the thing and this has to earn money, I'm going to find the ways to make it earn revenue because without clients, it is just a, a hobby. I love that you started. You didn't, pricing gets people so stuck. And so yeah. you just, just got charge to something. Yeah, yeah just, just charge something. And then I just see people tie themselves in knots in all this kind of stuff. And I feel like it's just another form of procrastinating. Like, oh my God, what should I charge? Well, it, like thing is set in stone for a lifetime. So just charge something now and charge the next person $50 more. Or yeah, exactly. exactly. It's the same with everything. And especially with an online business, or even if you don't have an online business in today's digital world, like everything is changeable all the time. So right. just do something now and then you can just like build on it or you can tweak it or whatever the case may be. Can you talk a little bit more to the whole, because I guess this comes to one of the points that we were going to be talking about, self-discipline, but yeah. also self-compassion. And I really like your take on that because I, yeah. I do see it as a thing that especially for mums like parents yeah who are you know my attention is here on my children but it's got to be here and now I'm feeling resentful and I'm so bad and I'm never going to be able to make this work and this like shame sort of spiral and ourselves but also needing to go but this stuff does need to get done so I'm going to need to find a way so can you just sort of talk to that a little bit 
Yeah, yeah. Well, first of all, I think it's really important to sort of say from the outset, like part of this discussion, I think, is around this kind of idea of self-care. And this also actually relates back into the idea of creating a life on your terms. And I think that so many women can think that like, oh my God, creating a life on my terms, that's so selfish. Yes. <laughs> and it's the same thing with self-care. And I just want to totally throw that conversation out because people think self-care, like creating a life on my terms means I'm going to like go and get my nails done every day. And like, that's not what it's all about at all. It's not selfish. It's, I feel like it's actually the highest form of integrity and courage because so many people don't live by their values. Like, be able to create a life on your terms and stick by that, I think is actually creating a life full of integrity. And is that not what you would want to model towards your children? So what I kind of noticed with this idea of self-discipline, and it kind of goes, I think, to a bit of the something that's called the pain and pleasure cycle as well, is I noticed that like, so women can be like so hard on themselves. I mean, you know that, I know that, you know, everybody listening knows that, right? But what I often observe it's like women are really hard on themselves, so the terrible um, negative self-talk, and I'm totally here as well, terrible negative self-talk and all of that kind of thing. But there's, I think, like a little bit of confusion between self-compassion and self-discipline. So what I see, and I've done it too, but in all my years of coaching professional high-achieving women, what I often see is, you know, I hate myself or you were such an idiot in that meeting, drink, drink, drink wine, eat, 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 mm. to look after, you know, I need to give myself a little bit of self-care here, but it's actually not self-care, it's comfort and it's comfort to ease the internal emotional pain that we're feeling. So in seeking to ease that emotional pain with comfort, discipline actually goes out the window. Because when you're sitting around doing things like that to excess, the things that actually do need to get done and the things that you need to hold yourself to account to, like running a business or whatever the case may be, or being the person that you want to be for your children, because like you probably don't want to be sitting on the couch zoning out, do you? You probably actually be doing something with your kids or whatever the case may be. So the self-discipline goes out the window. And I've noticed this huge misunderstanding in a lot of women where they think self-discipline is like self-punishment or the self-discipline, the the horrible, angry inner voice. So often when I seek to address the inner voice, they're like, oh, but if I didn't have that inner voice, how would I get anything done? You know, Mm. I'm like, well, how's that working out for you now? And that, that inner voice is not actually helping them get anything constructive done. Like the inner voice is what's driving the seeking of comfort to help soothe that inner pain, uh, inner emotional pain. So what I try to teach my clients is this idea of like self-discipline is not a horrible punishing thing. Like self-discipline is not about restricting yourself. It's not about, you know, having this horrible sort of ogre type figure that has to berate you in order to get things done because all that's going to do is drive you to do whatever it is that you do to excess and it will drive you further away from your goals and you'll get to a point where you'll just burn out Mm -hmm. and yourself even more kind of thing. So what we need to be able to do is to have discipline but compassion for ourselves. And so I think this is really where that idea of 
perfectionism and all this kind of thing comes into play here. So it's about being able to give yourself the room to experiment, have a go, try something out, um, speak up in that meeting or put that Facebook live out there. And if it doesn't go to plan, you don't go, well, I hate myself. I was always so hopeless. I knew this wouldn't work out. I'm going to drink a bottle of wine. We're able to give ourselves that self-compassion where we go, that's okay. You know, the important thing is that I took the step and I showed up Mm. and then we're able to keep the consistency up, you know, so I'm going to show up every day and do that Facebook live, or I'm going to speak up. I'm going to do the things that are important to me, no matter how I feel, because I'm giving myself room to move. Because I often find that with, um, when we have a strong inner critic and it's about perfectionism and all of those kinds of things, it puts you in a box where you've got no room to move. Mm to be able to do is say, that's okay. I'm experimenting. I'm growing. I'm trying different things, but I'm not going to let myself off the hook. I'm going to turn up every day and I'm going to do that Facebook live, or I'm going to make that phone call to get that sale. But if it doesn't work out the way that I'd like it to work out, I'm not making it that about a personal deficiency or an inadequacy about myself. So it's about being able to build that resilience to go, that's okay. I'm going to make another phone call tomorrow and in the meantime, I'm not going to Netflix and zone into oblivion because that's going to get you away from your goals, right? Right. You have that like um, cascade of like everything falls off track when you take an action like that. So I really love that. As you were talking, I was thinking it does require you actually knowing where you want to be and working Mm. from that place. Like that's what you're ultimately saying is work from the place of the person who has the successful business, the career that they want. Be that person and show up like like that right now so you can get there. But there's also what I was hearing then was this sense of losing attachment to the outcome. Absolutely. So not attaching self-worth to results of things. And and this is something that I see all the time. I see it in lots of people who I coach. We turn something that doesn't quite hit the mark into a personal failure or a reflection on who we are as people. People don't like me or... Yes. And it's just like, no, but was there a lesson there? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I learned how to do, okay, worth it. You know, yeah, it's just, absolutely. It, I, Nothing's I think, ever a waste of time. I think that's another thing that I hear as well. And I think this is a mark of, you know, you go and look at any true leader. This is a mark of true leadership. And this is where you've really got to have that courage to put your stake in the ground. And I'm not talking about big grand things. It Sometimes it expresses itself in big grand things from people like Nelson Mandela or something like that. But it doesn't actually have to be that. It can just be a stake in the ground in your life that you see. But often I will have women say to me, you know, this cause or this dream that I want to bring to reality. I'm so passionate about it. It really means everything to me, but I need to know, will it be worth it? You know, if I commit myself, worth it. We don't get any guarantees in life. Like we get no guarantee that we will even be here at the end of today. Not that I'm trying to sound morbid, but there is no guarantee. There's no guarantee to anything. So if you're asking yourself, will it be worth the effort? I'm only willing to be committed if I'm going to get the outcome that I want. Like you're just kind of hobbling yourself from the start. And so it's really being able to put your stake in the ground and go, the outcome of anything is beyond my control. Even where I think I have control, I actually don't. Control is an illusion. Yeah, it's an illusion. The outcome of everything is beyond my control. 
this is important to me. Like I will pursue this simply because it is important to me and mm. I commit myself to the process and to the taking of the action. You yeah. Know, that's what true leaders, true leaders never say, is it worth it? True leaders will always say, doesn't matter. I'm going to take the actions that I think matter to me every day. Yeah, I love it. And I also loved how you shared, because I always say, I talk about us like I am the biggest asset in my life. <laughs> yeah. And, and I love how you talk about like we are our best asset. I loved how you said, you know, it's not about being the top, it's about being the center yeah. of, your, of your strategy. Can you just explain a little bit more about that concept? Because I thought it was a winner. Yeah, well, I guess often what I see is, I suppose, high achieving women who are able to get stuff done, I guess we can be our own worst enemy because so we might be high achieving women who can get stuff done, but maybe we have no boundaries or, you know, not sufficient enough boundaries or whatever the case may be. So when someone or something or whatever is trying to take advantage of us or have us do something that we may not want to do or that we don't think is achievable or, you know, whatever the case may be, we just kind of go, oh, you know, I'll just push through and fit it all in. And so often what I see is just women like slogging through their day from the bottom of a to-do list. And they will even describe to me, you know, I feel like I'm under this big weight or I'm pushing a boulder uphill. Or conversely, I feel like there's a giant boulder behind me and I'm only just managing it to outrun it and it's going to roll me over and that kind of thing. But if I was to suggest well, how about putting yourself first? I just find straight away that that engenders a lot of resistance. Like it's such a change in thinking. And I think because we have so much conditioning to women don't put themselves first. If I try to suggest that, it's just like too much of a leap. And I don't actually believe that anyway, because it's not about putting yourself first. As you said, it's about putting yourself center. And so I guess if you were to imagine Sometimes I feel like it's a bit like, you know, when you hit a gong or something like that and, like, you hear that sound reverberating out or say you, like, you throw a stone in a pond and you see the ripples coming out, right? So if you were to imagine that you put yourself at the centre of your day, so that means that you're going to drive your day from a place of empowered confidence, a place from feeling energised, a place from, like, you've had breakfast and looked after your body and all of that kind of thing, and you've had a bit of time to yourself and you're driving your day from the center. So if, if you're leading your day, if you're feeling empowered, if you're feeling physically strong, it's a bit like you've banged your gong, right? And the ripples are coming out. So those ripples go through everybody around you and influence everybody around you and impact everybody around you. So instead of having to drag people with you or push people with you or nobody listens to you at all or you're too exhausted to bring anybody with you, I really think, again, this comes back to personal leadership. Like you're driving your day from a place of leadership and you're magnetising almost or you're galvanising and energising other people or those around you or whatever and events and everything as well. Um, to be able to come with you. And that, that's why I kind of say that you are your best asset. You know, if, if you want to do the best by everybody else around you, it actually starts with you. Um, yes. That space where you're capable and from that space where you're feeling energised. And because I think that can be an issue as well. Like sometimes, you know, I, 
have amazing careers and have achieved incredible things but in some ways don't have authority or leadership in their own families or those kinds of things and I think sometimes there's just kind of this feeling that they kind of hope that by doing more they'll be recognized or they'll get the authority that they want and I believe that it just doesn't work like that. You've got to show through your actions that you believe that you're worth investing in. And in fact, you know, that's the way that you can show leadership and take effective action and influence those around you to be acting positively and constructively as well. So you can all be going in the same direction together. Oh, man. I just love every single word you said. And I guess I think of it like when you said the word magnetizing, I mean, we are magnets. We are literally energy and we attract back the things that are energetically meeting us. And so if we aren't raising our own vibration, literally, and that's, you know, showing up as a leader and doing all those sorts of things, taking care of ourselves by nourishing ourselves, just all these tiny, tiny little things, getting enough sleep, then we will constantly attract back. Like if we're not doing those things and if we're trapped in our stories that that are keeping us, you know, just at that lower level, then that's what we'll see in the outside world around us. Yeah, It's what we see in in our relationships with people. It's what, like, everything changes when we change because we are literally vibrating at a different frequency and so we start attracting different things into our lives. And so, oh, my God, like, I just love everything. I love the context in which you're talking and I love hearing it said in, in kind of in different words that really make a lot of sense. And I love the empowered leadership and all of that kind of stuff. So I guess to kind of wrap up, I'd like to talk about the very first thing that you said was, I really agree with your whole small steps thing and, you know, the whole micro moments because I think what we both agree on is that, if you start changing your, literally your daily habits is what will change your whole life. But often it's happening at a completely subconscious level. We're not even actually thinking about how we're moving through our day. We're just moving through it. So I'd love you to talk to that a little bit. And also just, you know, in the context of the work that you do with women, the type of coaching that you do. What we do daily, I think has such a massive impact um, about all of our, for want of a better word, what you want to call it, success, fulfillment, whatever, in life. But often I think women are kind of disconnected from their bodies, they're disconnected from the present, mm. they're worrying about what other people think of them, they're worrying about the shitstorm that's coming their way. Often I see also what's in there as well as like over-responsibility, like, you know, worried about how other people feel, worried about if this person's sad or that person's happy, and we just kind of control that. We can have compassion and empathy for others. So often what I see is like women feel exhausted and overwhelmed, but they're holding it together on the outside, but they feel exhausted and overwhelmed and like they're not in control. So the way that they want to seek the control, and I don't mean this in like a a horrible way, but the way that they seek control is to control others as in like if everyone else is happy around me, then I'll be happy because if everyone's sad, I will feel awful, right? So our focus goes to the external. So I'm either going to try and seek to control someone else's actions so then they'll feel happy and then I'll feel happy. And that's what I mean when I say it's not horrible. Like I'm not saying you're trying to control people like a dictator. So we try to seek control of these external events. 
And what we really need to be able to do is really, I think, first be aware that we might be doing that. And I see it in so many micro ways. Um, really get that conscious awareness of where we're trying to change things externally. I mean, I'm sure you can see where your mother does it. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's where I really became, you know, like the micromanaging, you know, mother. You know, we might not be able to see where we're doing it, but we can often see where our mothers are doing it. So the whole micromanaging thing is really about you trying to control your internal state. So what we need to be able to do is get honest about that, which might be a whole other kind of mindset process that you might work through in the longer term. But in the short term, it's really about, you can short circuit that whole thing. So instead of trying to control things that are actually out of your remit, it's actually a whole lot easier to look at how you can control things within you. So instead of putting the middleman in of, I'm going to control that external thing to make myself feel better. How about we learn about just how to feel better? And you can do that in so many tiny ways across your day. The easiest way to reduce overwhelm in the short term is to just start taking back control of your day. And that's why you need to be at the center. And one thing I often teach is just how to get like a daily success game plan. And sometimes it can be as simple as I just need to get up five minutes earlier. So I'm not racing through traffic, cursing people who got in front of me, or it's like um, a tiny action like that has the power to change your whole day. So it might be like simply tweaking the time that I get out of bed, the time that I go to bed. I find as well that um, looking at the beginning and the end of your day is often where you can find most bang for your buck. So it's so easy at the end of the day, I think, to kind of go, oh, I can't be bothered now. And I'll just let everything slide and I'll scroll through my phone. But if we were able to just say, I'm going to take these small actions, like I'm going to be in bed by this time, or I'm going to do this by this time. That just has that massive knock-on effect across everything else. So often you can just look at maybe like three to five things to start off with or sometimes even just one thing. What's one small thing I can change? It's going to be like that cornerstone thing. So for some people it's just I need to get up a little bit earlier or between seven and eight when I'm trying to get out the door with three kids, I don't look at my phone. Like I don't need to answer Facebook. And I think part of it as well is just about recognising where is my focus and attention going? You know, is it going on the right things and am I being reactive or proactive? And so often what I encourage my clients to look at is, you know, what are those one tiny little thing, one or two tiny little things you can change to start with? But then number two, where are you being reactive and where could you be more proactive? And that's often people go, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm like always like answering texts and I don't really need to answer them between seven and eight. I can do that later on in the day or I can answer all messages in one go or something like that. So I think those sorts of tips are like those are the places that you can start. They only need to be small and then it's also about having that attitude of experimentation. Like if you don't know what works, find out, like go and try it. Yeah. Some might work, some things might not. Um, allow yourself to experiment, allow yourself that space for self-compassion. And once you can start tweaking your day and taking charge of your day, I guarantee you, you'll worry a lot less about what other people think. You'll worry a lot less about, am I really up to this? You'll worry a lot less about, can I really do this? Because you'll actually just already be doing it. You'll be too busy in control of yourself, getting stuff done, than to kind of worry about that external stuff that drains our energy, focus and attention and stops us from achieving the things that really matter. 
Oh my gosh, so many nuggets of gold right here. I am so glad that we've had this conversation. I love the way that you talk it. What came to my mind while you were, were saying this as well and the small tweaks to your day, I have someone in my mastermind and she at the moment has a pretty full-on job, nine till five type of thing but she's really committed to her business. She has had one before and she's getting back into it and she's using 15 minutes a day. Yes. And yeah, yeah. she's got this whole list. Like someone asked, yeah. hey, what do you actually get done in 15 minutes? And so oh. she had this huge list of things that yeah. she can cook off and get done in less than 15 minutes. Like You can cook a meal in 15 minutes. You can- right. So it's actually extraordinary when you start to change your relationship with yeah. time. And, you know, yeah. even last night I thought I had a few interviews to do today and I thought, and for me, it comes back also to the whole just being r- responsible for myself. Like it's no one Absolutely. else's. It's no one else's deal that I would arrive to today going, "Oh God, I've got just so much." Yeah. To do. So last night I just sat on the couch and just once the kids <laughs> were down, just banged away for an hour. So I already yeah. ticked off some of the things that were due for me to get done today. So I had a little bit more clear space. So I yeah. woke up not stressed and anxious and getting my kids out the door so that I could just sit and enjoy this conversation with thinking that, oh, my God, i got to get off. Yeah. And do you know what I mean? Like it's no it's one else's job. responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. I think so often we can blame like, oh, my God, you know, the kids just wouldn't do what I wanted them to do. Do they ever do what they want you to do? <laughs> no, they never do. So how about you start five minutes earlier getting them to do what they don't do? Or as you said, do the prep the night before. You know, it's like it's actually not their fault that we don't have our shit together. Kind of. <laughs> it's, you know, it's, really, it's really easy for yeah. us to go, oh, well, the kids wouldn't do this and they wouldn't go to bed or they wouldn't do this or they wouldn't do that. And that's where we need to actually go, well, that's actually my reality right now, so how am I going to work around that? Exactly. You know? Yes. Like, see, then values comes in. That's where yes. you go, okay, well, if 15 minutes is all I've got, that's all I've got, you know. Yeah. And also it just allows her to tick it off. It's achievable. Yeah. And it's that momentum Absolutely. that so many yeah. of us need. So I'd love to know, can you share where people can get a bit more information and also what does being a daily success coach strategist mean like what would it mean to work with someone like you obviously when you work with a coach it's going to be a customized um, process when you work with a coach one-on-one but I do have a framework that is very common and applicable to busy um, professional women who are trying to achieve those higher goals you know whether it be starting a business so you're trying to achieve those higher goals but the daily stuff is getting in the way Mm. normally what I do in a customized coaching program, I think the first things we normally need to do is look at how do we relieve the pressure in the short term? How do we get rid of the overwhelm? How do we get you in charge of the small stuff? And often what I do first up as well is look at some really good emotional management techniques because that's really a lot of what is stealing our focus and attention is we get a thought or emotion in our mind, we get hooked to it, we get swept out. So often in the short term, I'm looking at reining a lot of that stuff in. And then once people get confidence, like, oh, my God, like I'm not hopeless because I can't control my day. You know, I can control my day. And they stop talking to themselves in that way. As you said, we get confidence out of small actions. 
that's when I start going, okay, well, we need to zoom out and we need to get clarity on the bigger picture. Like what is really important to you? What are the goals that you want to achieve? And so I think then you can work backwards from those goals and it's kind of like the two strategies meet. So clarity, you know, working on that bigger stuff starts to get you clarity. Taking small steps gets you clarity and confidence and then those two things come together and you can then really build on the momentum and I do a lot of mindset work as well. I think really looking at how people think and helping people get different perceptions on things. So that's usually what working with me looks like when you work with me one-on-one. And if you want to find out more about me, you can just go to emmaosullivan.com.au and there's a PDF there. Um, it's, I think it's my seven success secrets for a woman on fire. So that's really that daily strategy stuff. And you'll find links there as well to um, a couple of other free trainings that I have that kind of help with things like habits and emotional management. And I have got a podcast as well that is old episodes. They're not recent episodes, but they're great resources on daily success strategies as well. So you'll find all those links on my website. Well, I'm really glad that you took the leap and are doing this work in the world. And we got (laughs) to have this chat today. Um, And thank you for reaching out to me. Because I just know that this episode is going to be something that people are like, oh my gosh, I think I might have to listen to this again because of the stuff that you were sharing and the way in which you were saying it. It was just, you know, sometimes we even know this stuff, but we just yeah, hear it absolutely. again and again and again, like I do. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, totally. So do I. <laughs> <laughs> so I have absolutely loved our chat. Thank you so much, Emma. Everyone go and check out Emma's website. And listen, I'm going to be going to find that podcast and I look forward to sharing this podcast episode with everyone. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Well, that is another episode of the Keeping Business Real podcast done and dusted. But make sure that you don't miss out on knowing when I release the next one. Be sure to become a subscriber over on your podcast app of choice. And make sure to leave a review. I would love to know what you're thinking of the podcast and what you'd like to hear in the future. Now, the next thing you need to do is head straight to lisacorduff.com. I have an amazing cheat sheet there waiting for you to help you overhaul your marketing mindset. Let's face it, sometimes the selling part of business is the part that feels most icky. I want to help you out. And I want to help you grow your business in an authentic way that feels really, really good to you. LisaCordaf.com for your free cheat sheet. And I'll see you in the next episode.